continue tonight talking about love. Say it with me, love. Come on, love. Come on, say it with some passion, love. We're going to talk about love. In fact, for the next two Wednesdays, we're going to be talking along the subjects of the five languages of love is what we're going to be dealing with for the next two Wednesday nights. But, you know, it's just been, I think, so exciting as we go through and we discover and the things that we have discovered that we can find as we begin to talk about love, as we begin to expose our lives in the fact of saying, I want to learn, I want to know more. Show me the ways that I can love more. Show me the ways that I can respect more. Show me the ways that I can just be a better person. And one thing I've discovered, and I'm sure every one of you in here have too, And that is in our relationships, we can be speaking, but many times, a different language. That both parties or we're both speaking, but yet it's almost like a different language because what we're trying to say or trying to communicate is just not completely getting through. And we're not comprehending what the others. We have the best intentions. We have honorable goals. But yet finding ourselves totally misunderstood. As a result, you know what happens? Two good-willed people can almost kill each other by trying to achieve the same goal. Isn't that sad that we can fight and we can struggle? Where the reality is we should be going for the same goal. Maybe speaking a different language. Maybe seeing, as we discovered on Sunday morning, through a pink or through a blue. Not wrong, just... And it's all because God made us male and female. That means it's his fault. It's all your fault. But no, it's not his fault. You know what it is? It's his divine plan. Think about that. God made male and female for a purpose. It wasn't a fault. It wasn't like he thought, I'll get man back because I know they're going to sin. So I'll teach him to mess with me. I'll just mess with them every day. God didn't think like that. Thank God. But it was his divine plan. Maybe through consideration. Maybe through effort. Maybe through work. We'll discover the heart of our spouse. I think for so many things in life, we have things come too easy. And as a result of that easiness, we take so quickly things for granted. We click into cruise control. We do things with little or no thought. We find ourselves in routine rather than relationship. I believe God made us male and female. I believe God made us different. For what reason? We need to work at our relationships. We need to invest in each other's lives. It's not time just to say, I do, 
or I did. I do is an active word. I do every day. I do. I will be. I'll be that which God has called me to be. When you think of the actual word relationship, I believe the word relationship is set up in this way. It doesn't work if those involved are non-responsive. Hello? A relationship doesn't work like that. You cannot have relationship and have non-responsive people involved. There will be no relationship. Relationship only works through involvement. It only works through a commitment and it only works through having efforts. How can you and I, in our marriages, in our lives, how can we say that we have relationship with someone if we don't even talk to or communicate with them? We can't. Well, you can't. It's plain and simple. You can't have relationship. Relationship is between two people or parties or a group of people that are fully engaged and actively involved. Now, I know you may say, well, there's different levels of communication or there's different levels of commitment, rather. There are, but those levels are dependent upon the input. If you've got casual friendships, it's because your input is very small. If you've got kind of in-between relationships, it's because you've got that in-between effort and input that you put in. But if you've got great relationships, it's because you're putting in great input. How much you put in is how much you are going to get at. Because therefore we are male and female, what I'm trying to say is this, it takes work. But it's activity with productivity. Write that down. It's activity with productivity. Because in a relationship, as you give, the Bible says, in giving you shall. And God says it's a good measure. Come on, hook a brother up. It's a good measure. It's pressed down. It's shaken together and it's running over. So when we give, because we are different and it requires work and it requires effort, but as we do those things, it's activity that produces productivity. Our needs, our requirements, the way we think, the perspective of the outlook that we have on life, the desires that we may have may be absolutely, totally different. But that's what makes what we have so unique. Why? Because we complement each other. If you're sitting with your spouse tonight, turn to them and say, I am complete because of you. How, what an incredible thought. Look at them in the eyes again and say, thank you. You are so special. And if you don't have your spouse with you tonight, go home and tell them that. And if you don't have a spouse, find a window and practice saying that. Because you're going to need it sooner than later. But we complement each other. We come together and become one. Gary Chapman actually wrote a number of books along the subject of the five languages of love. Some directed to the men, some directed to women, some directed to children, some directed to youth. It's a great thought that he has that I want to present to you over the next couple of weeks. We're going to look at the five languages of love and we're going to discover how to express heartfelt commitment to your mate. What we're going to learn is this, that Daryl's love language may be different to Tangent's. 
We're going to learn that what Roxanne maybe needs is maybe different to Bishop. But what are we going to do? We're going to learn to identify our primary love language so that together we can speak the same language and understand that what I may need is not what they need. But that's okay because we're unique and that's great. You may say, Pastor Philip, what's the deal? Why are you focusing so much on relationships? Valentine's has been and gone. Come on, can we not move on? I mean, this is getting old. You know why I'm spending so much time on relationships? Because I believe there is so much attached to our families. There is so much attachments that are carried or connected to the home unit, the family, the marriage. With our marriage in a bad, sick way. It affects other areas in our life. You know what happens usually as a result of a bad marriage? Bad kids. Come on, no, I've just been honest. You know what normally happens as a result of a bad marriage? Bad finances. Financial problems and struggles. You know what happens as a result of a bad marriage? No one's happy. No happiness, misery, gloom, doom and despair. You know what happens as a result of a sick marriage? A sick future. But you know what happens when our marriages are healthy? The kids are healthy. Come on. The finances are healthy. Happiness. Wow, it's at an all-time great, all-time high. Our future is healthy. I know that there are exceptions, but we don't live by exceptions as children of God. We live by principles. So why are we talking so much about marriage? Why are we talking so much about mom and dad getting right? Because there is so much connected to mom and dad being right. The kids are connected. The finances are connected. Our nation is connected to our family units. And Satan has done everything within his power to destroy the family. And I believe in destroying the family, he has destroyed the world. He's destroyed the world. And it's time that we realize that our marriages are such a vital tool in the outcome of our families, our futures, and this nation. With separation, with indifference, with divorce, has come a lot more casualties than we could ever even begin to realize. Our relationships are just that important. Our relationships are vitally important. So let's begin to look at these five languages of love tonight. Understanding how we can speak, communicate. Maybe still a little bit different, but that's okay. Okay. Listen to how Gary Chapman sums up this cheat and he says this. People express and receive love in different ways. And these are what I have called the five languages of love. The first is words of affirmation. The second is quality time. The third is gifts or the receiving and giving of gifts. Don't worry about getting all these because we'll go back through them. So if you don't get them all, don't stress that. The fourth is acts of service. And the fifth is physical touch. If you express love in a way your spouse doesn't understand, he or she won't realize many times that you've even expressed love at all. The problem is that you're speaking two different languages. Perhaps your husband needs to hear encouraging words, but you feel cooking him a nice dinner will cheer him up. When he still feels down, you're puzzled. Or maybe your wife craves time with you, time away from the kids and time away from the television, but the flowers you gave her don't just communicate to her 
that you care. When you begin to discover and look into the five languages of love, you will learn to speak and understand the unique language of love and effectively express your love as well as feel truly loved in return. Is that not true? Some people love flowers. They love to receive a gift. To other people, they'll turn around and say, why did you buy me flowers? Why did you waste the money? Come on, let's just be honest. That's how they feel. All I want is just for you to take me out and we could just walk together and we could have some face-to-face time. That would mean so much more. In fact, it was amazing. I remember the time I was in a a store with my dad, actually. I think it was, in, it was in Atlanta, and it was over one of their anniversaries. And my dad was buying my mum or, or four dozen roses. And we were picking out these nice roses in the store. And I think he'd forgot her birthday or something. He was trying to make up for it or something. I don't know. You can ask him about that next week. But anyway, he was buying these roses. And this lady comes up while we're buying the roses. She says, I hate roses. I mean, did we ask for your opinion? Hello, you know. (laughs) Sorry. She goes, yes, I hate roses because do you know what roses speak to me? And I says, no, ma'am, I don't. She said, I'm tired of seeing roses because all roses have spoken to me is empty sorry. What do you mean empty sorry? She says, because my husband, she said, was abusive and he would beat me and then he would just give me a rose and expect everything to be okay and life would go on and then he would do something else and he'd just give me roses. She said, roses to me just symbolize the hurt and the pain that I've experienced in life. It's amazing, isn't it, that that doesn't maybe mean anything to her and it may mean something completely different to her, but to others, oh, the greatest thing in the world is just to receive a gift. As we look through these love languages, we're going to discover that there is a primary language that we speak. It doesn't mean that we don't get touched by gifts. It doesn't mean that we don't like the affirmation. It doesn't, doesn't mean that we don't like that we've got to focus in one area. But we will discover primary areas. And I encourage you with your spouses to talk about those so we can explain. So don't leave us as guys in the doghouse, ladies. Help us. If you don't like the roses, hey, tell us. We'll do something else. Because after all, our marriages are just that important. And I believe this is really important stuff. So let's look tonight, if we would, begin words of affirmation. Language number one. Words of affirmation. Literally, words of affirmation. Or if you would look at affirmation in the dictionary, it literally means a positive statement. Giving positive statements in our marriage. So often, all we hear today in marriage is negativity. Not much positivity at all. And we wonder why things never seem to change. Well, I'm just telling him, I'm just telling her what to do. And if they would just stop and listen, then I would give them some praise. But until they're going to listen and do what I tell them, they don't deserve it. When's the last time you motivated someone to do anything by negatively nagging and pushing and drilling and driving? It doesn't happen like that. If they would just do it, then I would praise them. I don't know if you would. I don't really know if you would praise them. I think you're just saying that because I think what happens is when they do that thing that you want them to do, 
the next thing you're on them for is they've done it wrong. And if they haven't done it wrong, the only reason they did it was because I told you to do it. You didn't want to do it. So you might as well have not done it. Come on, we can joke and we can talk about this, but there is such a lack of words of affirmation today that we speak in our lives. And this doesn't just apply to our marriages. This applies to every aspect of our lives. Mark Twain once said these words. He said, I could live for two months on one good compliment. So therefore, if we were to take him literally, if he could live on one compliment for two months, that means give him six compliments and he would be happy for a whole year. doesn't work like that in your marriages. Sorry. Well, I gave her a compliment. That should last me two months. Good. I better write on the calendar when the next affirmation is due. We're in the power of the tongue. But the Bible clearly says that there's more death than perhaps there is life. Or first, there's normally death before there is life. Proverbs 18.21. Write that down. Read it. There is death and life in the power of the tongue. Perhaps in our lives it's time to say what needs to be said and not what we want to say. Think about that. Perhaps it's time to say what needs to be said and not what we want to say. That which is going to satisfy ourselves and what we want. It's so easy or so easily we can crush each other's spirit by the words that we speak. So how can we affirm? I'm going to give you some ways that you can affirm. How can I speak words of affirmation? Number one, are you ready? By verbal compliments. By giving compliments, words of appreciation, words in simple, straightforward statements. Wow, you look good today. Come on. We're still quick to tell them when they don't look good. That's a dangerous statement if you're a guy. But what is it wrong with just giving verbal compliments? You look good today. And you know you can find verbal compliments without even lying. Did you know that? Thank you. Two people laughed. I appreciate your support right there. Wow, you make that dress look so good. That dress looks so good on you. But don't throw in there. Have you been losing weight? Keep that one out. Don't <laughs> drop that one. Okay? You are, you're, you're so wonderful. Come on, we could all list off those verbal compliments that we know that we're capable of giving. But so often we choose not to give. It's amazing the response that comes through affirmation. I said it's amazing the response that comes through affirmation. In the story of that five languages of love, this lady came to Gary Chapman, was complaining about her husband, that she had asked him to paint this room for years and months and what, however long it was, and he just wouldn't paint it. And she came home and she thought he'll surely be painting it. And he's washing his car and he's doing everything else. And she's so sick and tired. Why? If you can be outside and she's screaming and hollering and she's had enough and she's ready to divorce him because he won't paint that room. And she comes to Gary Chapman. She said, what's it do? He said, when's the last time you praised him and gave him compliments for what he did do? He says, well, if he would just do what I said, then he says, no, when is the last time? And she went home and began to say, thank you, the car looks so nice. 
She began to give him verbal compliments for things in his life, pushing aside the fact of what really she wanted, but yet she focused in other areas. And do you know it wasn't weeks before he was painting that room and was excited to do it. Point number two, by encouraging words. We're talking about verbal compliments. Now we're talking about encouraging words. The very word encourage means to inspire courage. To inspire courage. Every one of us, whether we'll admit it or not, we all have insecurities. We all have times in our life where we lack courage. And as a result, we often have find ourselves hindered from accomplishing the positive things that we would like to do in life. Because of our insecurities, we allow them to hinder us or stop us from doing what? Because of the lack of courage that we have and faith in ourselves and maybe just confidence in ourselves, we fail to do all the things that we have. I'm sure if I was to ask every one of you the dreams and things that you wish you could do, probably the only thing that's stopping you, apart from financial, for many of them, maybe... Apart from financial, I guarantee the number one thing that stopped you is the fact of your insecurities or the fact that you just don't feel that you've got what it takes in order to accomplish and do that. Think about this. Your spouse, that incredible person that is sitting beside you, and if they're not sitting beside you yet, then we pray that one day they will be. But that incredible person that God has blessed you with, They may have potential that can lay dormant inside of them for years and years and years because they lack your encouraging words to activate it. You know who should be my best cheerleader? Kelly. You know who should be her best cheerleader? Philip. Because if I don't believe that she could do it, why should anyone else believe in her? And vice versa. Some of you may shout, preach, brother. Man, do they need to hear this. Well, you know what? Yes, they do need to hear it, but it's within each one of our powers to speak it to. To encourage each other. To unlock that potential by just encouraging them. I don't think anyone will ever fully understand or realize the power of an encouraging word. What it gives. You did a great job. Good job. Good job. I was team captain for a lot of sports when I was at school. And I don't believe many times it was because I was the best athlete because I wasn't. But I would probably say that I was the greatest encourager around at that time. God was schooling me and training me to be a pastor on a soccer team or on a rugby team or whatever. But God was helping me just to encourage people, to build people's lives and to strengthen them. I've always been that kind of person. But you know what? Words of affirmation, that's how some people, that's their language of love. They just want to be encouraged. They want to be strengthened. Instead of focusing in on everything they're not doing, why not encourage them for what they are doing? As you begin to encourage them in what they are doing, I'm telling you, they'll begin to perhaps do those things that they're not doing. Maybe they don't have the confidence. You can give that to them. You can give that to them. How many times have we heard in relationships, husbands and wives telling their spouse, you could never do that. You're never good enough. Those words should never come from your mouth because they will destroy any relationship. They will break someone's spirit and they will take every potential out of their life. That's why today through divorce we see so many people's lives are just absolutely wrecked. Some of you may know people like that. 
so destroyed when they should have been encouraged. Point number three, by kind words. By kind words. Or saying words kindly. Having tone and having meaning. Have you ever said the same thing in a different, but yet in a different tone, and it meant something completely different? I'll do the dishes. Or, sweetheart, I'll do the dishes for you tonight. It's the same thing, but the tone completely changes what it means. What does it mean? I'm gladly doing it when, sweetheart, I'll do the dishes, but I'll do the dishes. It's the same statement, but yet the tone is not kind, is it? It's not loving, it's not giving, it's not caring, it's really reluctant, it's grudgingly. And guys, I'm telling you, a lady will sense it before it's almost even left your mouth. The same sentence, Doug's laughing in the back, I can hear him. The same sentence can have two different meanings depending on how you say it. The manner in which we speak is exceedingly important. Proverbs 15 verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word. It doesn't say words, it just says a word, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's Proverbs 15.1. Listen to this statement. I'm amazed by how many people mess up every new day with yesterday. Wow, that was powerful. I wish I'd said I wrote that. I didn't. But I am amazed by how many people mess up every new day with yesterday. They insist on bringing into today the failures of yesterday. And in so doing... Pollute a potentially wonderful day. There's many things that we could say. There's many things that we want to say. But there's perhaps few things that we should say. What do they say if you haven't got anything nice to say? It's better to say nothing at all. If you haven't got anything kind, constructive to say, then just don't say nothing at all. We perhaps have every reason, as I said, to lash out, but we have no right to do so. We need to speak words of healing. We need to speak words of direction, hope. We need to speak words of future. We need to speak kind words. Listen to this. We cannot erase the past, but we can accept it as history. How do you accept something as history when you push it behind you and you move on beyond it? We can't change it, but we can accept it as a historical moment that is past tense, it's not present tense, and it's not going to destroy our future tense. Mercy is a choice. Forgiveness is a commitment. Listen to me. Mercy is a choice. Forgiveness is a commitment that we need to make. We need to learn how to speak kind words, kind tones, Speak in such a way that can convey the message of love. Point number four, by humble words. Humble pie. If anyone ever had to eat humble pie, Mr. Huss, you need to tell us all what it tastes like because we don't know. But humble words. Listen to me. Love makes requests, not demands. Come on, love makes requests. Not demands. 
When we demand, it's like we become as the parent and we are pointing the finger at that three-year-old child and saying, you need to do this. And the reason as parents we do that is because children don't understand perhaps how to do it. So we need to teach them how to do it. But how many times do we treat our spouses in the same way? They know how to do it, but yet we become that parent and we point down and we begin to make what? Demands, demands, demands. That's not love. That's not humble words. Don't think of yourself as better or more advanced in your relationship. In fact, you know, for so many times it's been preached and taught, I believe, so wrong that men, they're the head. They are the head. But you know what? God made man and woman equal. The Bible says, as the weaker vessel, he doesn't call women the weaker vessel, but he talks to man to protect her like a weaker vessel. Read it for yourself. It's not she's the weaker vessel. As a weaker vessel, our role is to be equal. Yes, the husband is the head, don't get me wrong, but yet I'm not better than Kelly and Kelly's not better than me. Together we're equal. But yet what do we do? We have hierarchy in our relationships. We point the finger down and we do this and we do that. We don't have humble words. We've got to remember this. We're partners, we're learning, we're growing, we're developing together. Be gracious with your words. Build only. Don't tear down. Now to you tonight, you may say, well, words of affirmation, that's not my primary love language. But is it your spouse's? Whatever a primary language, whether it's a primary language or not, it's still important to affirm people and to build them up. Let's quickly look, if we could, at language number two. Language number two is quality time. Or better said, giving someone your undivided attention. Not sitting watching TV together. It works kind of for him. But seldom to never will work for her. Let me say it again. Quality time or undivided attention is not sitting watching TV together. It works kind of for him. But seldom to never for her. And all the ladies said, they don't want to share you with CBS. They don't want to share you with ESPN. They want you to take time away from these things that you can spend together. Say that with me. Together. To get out of the hustle and to get out of the bustle. Now, when I say take time to be alone together, it doesn't mean you have to go on expensive vacations. It doesn't mean you have to go on cruises. It doesn't mean you have to go to the Bahamas. It doesn't mean you have to do all these things. If you can, great, do it. Great. But it just means using the time that you have wisely. The Bible says that we're to redeem the time. Why? Because time is short. That's what it means. God's coming back soon. We've got to redeem the time. So here's Dr. Phil. This is Dr. Phil tonight. This is Dr. Phil's marriage prescription to every one of you. Can I give you all a marriage prescription to take home and fill? Here it is. Husbands, you need to have at least one date night a month with your wife. Come on. You need to have at least one date night a month with your wives. And all the ladies said? Oh, that was overwhelming, guys, wasn't it? And all the ladies said? Come on, it doesn't have to be expensive restaurants. It doesn't have to be all these hotels or away from places. It's just a time when you can maybe get a babysitter and you can just go out when it gets a little bit warmer and you can take a stroll or you can sit out and have a picnic somewhere. 
Just something that takes thought and consideration. I challenge you all. It's great to go out. I know what it is with Kelly and I with five kids. It's so busy that it's hard to sometimes find each other. It was wonderful Monday night. We went out for a lovely meal together and we just sat in the booth beside each other. We sit beside each other in the booth, not across from each other. Oh, isn't that loving? And we just had a great night away together. It was only for about an hour and then we had to pick the kids up again and life just went on. But it's amazing how refined and recharged that you get just through that few moments where you can just spend time with the one you love. Have you ever noticed in a restaurant the fact that you can almost always tell the difference between a couple who are dating and a couple who are married? Dating couples are looking at each other as they talk, where married couples sit there and gaze around the restaurants. Come on, have you noticed that? What may be 20 minutes of time, I want you to begin to think of as 20 minutes of life. Just giving them 20 minutes of your time where it's just the two of you, no other distractions, just the two of you that you're just talking. How's your day? You're expressing yourself, giving them that time. It may not be your language of love because as long as they're saying encouraging words and they're, oh, that's, uh, oh, that's me pumped up. But they need that perhaps. That's their language of love. And even if it's neither of your primary language of love, I'm telling you, it's important to be together and spend time together. But 20 minutes of time is 20 minutes of life. What do you mean, Pastor Philip? You can never relive or stop or regrasp those 20 minutes back. They're gone. That's life. It's not just 20 minutes of time. It's 20 minutes of life that you can either waste or you can invest into the one you love. I struggle here, I must admit, in the fact of just being so busy. It's not because I don't want to give Kelly time, because I really mean to. But I find that I can get so busy, and I have to remind myself that that is my most important time. I was just reading a book just the other night after we'd had a meal. We had a few minutes, actually, to wait for the kids, and we went to um, Borders. Was it the bookstore? And we waited, and we looked in Borders, and I picked up a book, um, that has been written by a, um, a lady whose husband um, had gone through situations and she stayed with him through these situations. And I was reading this book. And one of the things she said that changed their lives or when their lives changed was when they got so busy that they almost just became partners instead of one in life. That he got so busy with what he was doing, she got so busy with their family and what she was doing, that they found their lives separated. And she said that was the beginning of the end. Not many marriages and relationships can make it through situations and circumstances like that. So how do we spend quality time? Can I give you a few thoughts? Number one, through togetherness. We've briefly almost talked about this, but togetherness is not proximity. Come on, all the ladies should be shouting me down tonight because this is... This is stuff that you understand perhaps more than us guys. Togetherness is not proximity. What do I mean by that? A guy screaming at his wife when she says, I want to spend time with you. And he said, what do you mean? We just went out for a meal last night with the neighbors and we just took the kids to the zoo the other day and we went out to the movies. I mean, what more do you want, woman? She doesn't want proximity. She wants togetherness. 
She wants your undivided attention. She wants just you. Because togetherness means that we are doing something together and we're giving each other our full attention. We're spending focused time on each other. Spending time together communicates that we care about each other. That we enjoy being with one another. That we like doing things together. You know one of the things I love the most in my relationship with Kelly is when she just wants to come in the car and ride with me. Of course, there's other things that I enjoy, but I love the fact that if I'm going to the airport to pick up someone or I'm going to do something, I don't even have to ask. She's got a coat, she's got her bag, and she's ready to go with it. I love that. I love the fact of that, just that togetherness. We talk about that a lot. I'm off every Monday, and most of the times if we've got errands to do, we'll be running them together. We'll be going around. If I've got to pick up stuff from Lowe's, she's at Lowe's with me. If she's got to go somewhere to get whatever she may need, I'm right there with her. If we're going grocery shopping or whatever we're doing, we're there together. We like to spend that time together. I know that she has other things that she needs to be doing. A family of seven is a full-time job, isn't it, ladies? Come on, I mean, it's a full-time job. You should see the laundry alone that we have in our house. And the washing and the drying part's the easy part. It's folding it, hanging it, and putting it away. Wow, if they could only come up with a dryer that would do all that for you. I mean, life would be complete, wouldn't it? But that's a full-time job. But yet she wants to be with me. Realizing that there are other things that she could be doing and perhaps should be doing, but yet she wants to be with me. Well, I love that. Do you know what that does? That energizes me. I love that. So how else? By togetherness? How else? By quality conversation. Where you can simply share your experiences, your thoughts, your feelings and desires together. In other words, you don't just talk to talk, but you talk with purpose. When's the last time you really sat down and talked with purpose? Quality conversation is quite different from the first love language, which were words of affirmation. Why? Because affirmation focuses on what we are saying, where quality conversation focuses on what are we hearing? What are we responding to? It's not just you look good. That's words of affirmation. But quality conversation is hearing what they are saying and responding to what you hear, not just what you say. One thing I've discovered is this, a conversation requires at least two people. Anything less than that, I believe they call what? Schizophrenic. Hello? Come on. A conversation requires at least two people. Anything less than that, you're schizophrenic. You're talking to yourself. You've got some issues and problems. Come on. We'll find you a couch, lay down. What do you see? A conversation requires two people. What does it mean, quality conversation? Conversation is when you spend time drawing each other out. Listening by being sympathetic. Asking questions, not to badger them. What are you doing? But asking questions because of the genuine desire that you have to understand them in a better way. Come on, is this helping tonight? It needs to. Number three. We talked about quality conversation, but also we need to learn to talk. 
We need to learn to talk. We need to learn to express our feelings. It doesn't come naturally to many, perhaps maybe men, in a greater way. It's hard for us to express our feelings. But if we're going to spend that quality time, we need to learn to express our feelings, to tell each other how we feel. We worry about hurting each other, but yet we hurt each other more by keeping our feelings from each other. And we go and tell everyone else, and everyone else knows the feelings apart from the one who really should matter. Well, it's not natural to me. You know what? That's only an excuse for so long. Because we've got to work on it and we've got to change. Again, it's only an excuse. It's not a right. We don't have a right to do that. Guys, a wife needs to hear how you feel. She doesn't just need to hear your thoughts. When she asks you something, we're good at giving her. Well, I think she doesn't know you want to know your thoughts. She wants to know your feelings. How does that make you feel? Not how you thought he should have acted or what you thought he should have done. How do you feel in the situation? How does that make you feel? She needs to hear you begin to let her in by expressing your feelings by her. And last but not least, how does she know that quality time? Point four, by quality activity. Can I say this since we're all adults here? Quality activity, guys, is not just sex. Come on. Quality time together. Okay, come on. Let's get under the covers. That's, that's all we need. No. That's not just quality activity. That is quality activity together. But when both are ready for that quality activity. Quality activity is doing things you both enjoy. Or that you both have interests in. But really with the emphasis not on what you are doing but why are you doing it? You can be out playing tennis together, and the fact is this, you're not really playing tennis, you're just spending time together. You can be out jogging together, and the reality is you're not really out jogging, you're just out because you're spending time together. The purpose is to experience something together, to walk away from that experience feeling energized in your relationship, feeling good about what you've you just made positive deposits into your relationship. Listen to what Gary Chapman says, and I think this is so powerful. He says, one of the byproducts of quality activity is that they will provide a memory bank from which to draw in the years ahead. Isn't that cool? That one of the byproducts of quality activity is that they will provide a memory bank from which to draw in the years ahead. So tonight we talked about the first two languages of love. Next week we're going to look at the next three. We talked about words of affirmation, encouraging words, kind words, verbal compliments, humble words. We talked about quality time, not shared with the TV kids and everyone which person, but spending time alone, 20 minutes, perhaps not just as minutes now, but thinking it as 20 moments of life. Because we can never relive them. How do we do that? By quality conversation, by learning how to express ourselves, quality activity, being together. Next week we're going to talk about receiving gifts. We're going to talk about acts of service and we're going to talk about physical touch. Let's learn, let's change and let's grow together. Would you stand with me tonight as we pray?
That concludes part one of our series on the five languages of love. Please continue to listen to part two on this CD. We're concluding this series, but yet it's the new beginning for every one of us. We have learned so much, I believe, over the last few weeks, really this whole month, as we've looked at love and the importance of love. Who was it? Tina Turner sang, what's love got to do with it? We've found that love has a whole lot to do with a whole lot. So really, this has been a great month of love. We've covered a lot of ground over the past few weeks, but it's vital, vitally important ground that we must reclaim. How many would agree that there is so much out there today that is doing everything within its power to distract and steal our attention? Come on, to try and divide our homes, to to try and divide us. We don't have to turn the TV on for long to see the type of shows that they are playing now and what they are depicting and what they are showing. The breakups, the adultery, the affairs, the homosexuality, the children being rebellious to their parents. The list goes on and on. The drug abuse, the physical abuse, just all the, and it's almost now been labeled as it's okay. It's not okay. Come on, it's not okay. And it's time that we reclaim that ground because and realize it's trying to divide our love. It's trying to divide our marriages, our relationships. So last week we talked about relationship. We discovered something about relationship and that is this. It doesn't work if those involved are non-responsive. In order to have a relationship, you have to be involved. Come on, are you with me tonight? You have to be involved. If you have a non-responsive position towards any kind of relationship, really you don't have a relationship. One person cannot have a relationship unless you're schizophrenic and then you just have a relationship with yourself and then you really have problems. Padded cell, watch out. But relationship requires at least two people who are interacting and communicating, working together to become successful. And of course, a relationship in marriage is not more than two people. It's two people who are communicating together. You know what I'm tired of hearing? I'm tired of hearing people say this. When they change, I'll change. If only they would just change and then I'll be willing to change. But until they change, I'm not willing to change. And then when they do change, then I'll start to love them. Then I'll start to do this and then I'll start to do that. Remember, love is a choice that you made. And you must remain to keep or you must remain to make in your life to keep making that choice, that choice, that choice. Last week, we began to look at what we've called the five love languages. Gary Chapman, there's books that are out there that I really encourage you to read the books. They've got them for children. They've got them for young people. They've got them for men. They've got them for couples. It's a great, great study called the five love languages. How many have heard of those books or that study, the five love languages? And we've really taken a snapshot last week, and we're going to take a snapshot this week at that study and try and do it as much justice as we can in such a short time that we have. But we have found out that and discovered that it's possible to express love in a way that your spouse doesn't understand. To the point that they may not even realize that you're expressing love at all. 
You may think that you're doing something incredible. You may think, wow, this is so loving. This is so romantic. This is so actually incredible. And they're still waiting for that moment. It's passed them by and your bubble is then deflated and it's burst because, wow, you put everything into it. Your thoughts, your attention, perhaps money, investment. And you gave, you gave, you gave. And yet it was not appreciated. But yet almost passed by with no effect. But here's the point again. We're not wrong. We're just different. And that's okay. Each one of us may have a different primary love language. And that's why we need to discover what that language is and discover it quickly. If not, what will happen? We'll never energize our relationships. We'll never build our relationships. We'll speak a different language, but all we'll do is discourage and begin to feel rejected. And unappreciated. And rejection and unappreciation is not a good soil for any marriage to be planted in. There will never be great growth, but only destruction. He may need an encouraging word. Oh, you're doing a great job. But maybe, ladies, you feel like what he needs better is a nice meal, that you'll cook him a nice meal. I'm going to show him I love him. I'm going to cook him a nice meal. He sits down to that meal and it just doesn't hit him. Oh, man, I put so much effort. What does he want? He wants an encouraging word. She may need quality time, that face time. Remember, guys, the woman wants that face time. She wants quality time. But he thinks, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop at the store on my way home and I'm going to buy her flowers. Oh, she's going to be so impressed. She's going to absolutely love it. But when he hands her those flowers and she says, why did you waste your money? I didn't want that. He gets upset and he feels that what he's done is not good enough. But what happens? She just wanted quality time with him. To say that we'll never understand each other, I believe, is an absolute lie. We've heard it. Oh, you'll never understand a woman. You know why people say you'll never understand a woman? Because we want the easy way out so many times. We don't want to take time. We don't want to take commitment. We don't want to have involvement. Anyone is able to be understood if you will just take the time out and don't go the easy route. Because to understand means a total commitment. To understand means a total investment. To understand means totally given. When we say we'll never understand each other, it's because perhaps we're not ready to give complete commitment, complete investment, and complete giving. So last week we looked at the first two languages of love. Let me recap quickly. Number one, the first language was words of affirmation. Literally, positive statements. That's what that word affirmation means in the dictionary. Positive statements. How often do the words that come out of our mouth have a negative connotation instead of positive? And don't say, well, I'll speak two negative words and because two positives or two negatives makes a positive. Is that how they say it? Doesn't work. You can't say two negative words and pull a positive out of that. So we're talking about speaking words of affirmation into our lives, praising each other. We looked at the four different areas that we can do this. And the first one is by verbal compliments, plain and simply, sweetheart, you look good tonight. That was a wonderful meal. Wow, Bishop, you look good in those jeans. Just those verbal compliments that we can give to each other. Straightforward 
statements. I mean, are they hard to do? Come on, right now. Are they hard to do? Is it hard to tell each other that you look good? Is it hard to say thank you? It's not when you've got a wife like this, Bishop said. Praise God. Been married 22 days and he's still loving life. I love it. It's a month now. Okay. So the second way that we can show words of affirmation we discovered last week is by giving encouraging words. Encouraging each other. Unlocking untapped potential. Giving them that encouragement that they need. The third way was by kind words, saying words kindly. Tone and meaning has a lot to do. You can say the same sentence in a different tone and it has a completely different meaning. Speaking with kindness in our words, being nice. The fourth way that we looked at words of affirmation was by humble words. Where we talked about where true love makes requests and not demands. Being humble. Perhaps, as Mr. Huss told us last week, he knows what it is to eat humble pie and how we have to sometimes eat that, but yet not thinking that we're greater or better. Because as we discovered on Sunday, we're both equal heirs of the inheritance of God, that God looks at us as equal. The second language that we looked at last week was quality time, giving your undivided attention. We looked at how we can do this, and the first thought was through togetherness, not proximity. A woman doesn't want your proximity, she wants your attention. So we looked at ways that we can spend time together. We talked about quality conversation, using our time together wisely. If we perhaps struggle in conversation, the second area we looked at was learning how to talk or to express our feelings. Women are great at expressing their feelings. Guys fall well short. A guy says, I don't want to talk about it. It's over. That's how they express their feelings. But we've discovered a woman doesn't act like that. She doesn't receive that. And she can't go on beyond that because she thinks now you're mad at her. Thank you, Miss D. She thinks you're mad. Why? Because you've shut up. You've clammed up. She doesn't do that. She wants to blah, 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 blah. She wants to talk about it. But you want to shut down. So we're talking about how can we spend quality time together? We can learn to communicate a whole lot better, express ourselves. And then the fourth point was by sharing quality activity. And we talked about quality activity is not just sex. Okay? It's not just, oh, that, that's quality activity. It may be what guys think is quality activity, but it's not what a woman feels is quality activity. We talked about doing things with the emphasis not on what we are doing, but on why we are doing it. We can be out playing tennis and not really be playing tennis. We're just spending time with each other and having a good time while we're doing it. And I I think the statement, I didn't write it down, but I wished I had. We talked about last week that as we invest quality time, that what we're literally doing is we're building up a bank account that when days are tough or times are hard, that we can tap into that. And we can draw from those times of happiness and joy together. So tonight we're going to look at the last three languages of love. These ones are a little bit more practical than perhaps what we've talked about. And a little bit more simple. We're going to look at the third language of love. And that is receiving gifts. Receiving gifts. This is actually a universal language, really, when it comes to love, because look at Walmart and look at Hallmark and look at all these places. They are full of gifts that you can buy for the one you love. 
It's the teddy bears. It's the chocolates. It's the balloons. It's the necklaces. It's all the jewelry. It's everything. There are so many keychains. There is just the list goes on and on and on of things that are designed for you to buy for your sweetheart. We love to give, don't we, to those who we love. And it's good to do so. A gift is so powerful because it's something that you can hold in your hand and say, look, he was thinking of me. Huh? Or she can hold it in her hand or he can hold it in his hand and say, wow, she remembered me. Something powerful about a gift because you're holding it. It's tangible. It's something there. It's a representation of their love, of their commitment, of their undying devotion to you. You must be thinking of someone to give them a gift. Did you know that? You've got to think of someone. Why? Guys, if you're going to buy your wife flowers, you've got to think of that ahead of time. You don't just pull up in the driveway and all of a sudden pull out a bunch of flowers and go here. You've got to think about it. It takes thought. You've got to stop. You've got to go and buy. It takes thought to go to the card store and buy a card. It's a, to give a gift to someone requires some kind of thought. But you know one thing about gifts is this. It's not always whether or not it costs a lot of money. But what's important is that you just thought of them. Some people here and thrive on the fact of being bought a gift. That's their primary love language. That's how their spouse can tell them, wow, I think you're the most incredible thing. It's just a bunch of flowers. But no, it's so much more that to so many people. I'm not sure how many gifts that you can remember, but I'm sure many of us can look back in our lives and remember incredible gifts that were given to us. I was, as I was preparing this message, I thought the greatest gift or one of the greatest gifts that I've ever been given in my life was by Brittany, my little girl. And I remember her coming home with this little poem and a little handprint on this thing. And it made me cry and squalor and just, oh, it was unbelievable. And the poem pretty much went like this. Here is my handprint. Because one day I will grow up and I will be gone. And the handprints that you see over the mirror, the handprints that you see over the table, the mess and all these kind of things will one day be gone. So, Dad, here's my handprint so you can have it forever. Oh, I read that and I just cried and cried and cried. Oh, my little sweetheart, she's going to be gone. And we look, don't we, the tables, the handprints everywhere. And how often do we just wash them off? And oh, you put your sticky hands everywhere. Quit putting your hands over the windows. Quit. One day those hands are going to be grown up and gone. And I've always remembered that gift of Brittany. And it's always really touched me. And I'm sure many of you could look at gifts and you could think, wow, that brings back so many memories of this and that. Perhaps some gifts bring back bad memories. But with the gift, there is a connection that most of us can make. Why? Because gifts have been regarded as a visual symbol of love. But visual symbols are more important to others than what they are, or to some than they are to others. I said some may need that, others may not. I know to me, the fact of receiving gift is not really my primary, it's not my primary love language at all. I could go for the rest of my life without receiving a gift, as long as I'm still able to give gifts. That's more important to me, to be able to give gifts. I would much rather give a hundred gifts 
than receive just one for myself. Because the joy I know I feel as I see Kelly or the kids or different ones just open up, that to me is the greatest joy of my life. Gifts come in all sizes, they come in all colors, and they come all shapes. Some expensive and some even free, like your neighbor's flowers. Come on, how many picked your neighbor's flowers for your sweetheart? That was a free little deal right there as you knocked on the door and you're smiling from ear to ear. But again, the price, the color, the size, what it is, is not really the important part unless it's greatly out of line with what you can afford. If you're a millionaire, don't bring a gift that costs a buck. <laughs> Let me give you a hint right there. But gifts can be purchased, they can be found, they can be made. So there are many gifts that we can give in the realm of stuff, giving and receiving gifts, in the sense of stuff that we can buy or make or do. But we must also not forget the fact of giving ourselves. Again, our attention, our love, just who we are. There's a saying out there, isn't there? You can't buy, you can't buy love. A gift should never take the place of you. I read a story today about a guy whose wife had a baby and 10 minutes after the baby was born, he went out to play softball with his friends. And while he was gone on his way to the softball, he called up and had flowers sent to the hospital for his wife. When he gets back after the game, the flowers are there and he's feeling so good about himself and his wife is not happy. She doesn't want flowers. She wants him by his side, by her side. Gifts should not be that which takes the place. Today we see parents, they try to shower their kids with gifts. Why? To take place of, or to take the place of them because they're not there. And it gives them the excuse to do or be whatever they want as long as their kid has something. And then they look and say, what's wrong with you? I gave you this. I gave you that. I gave you this. Listen, the greatest thing that we can give is ourselves. The giving of our life. Gifts, unfortunately, today also can be used to manipulate people. They give someone a gift for what reason? Because they know what they want as a result of giving that gift. So because they've given a great gift, they then turn around and say, well, now I can go and do this or I can buy this because I gave this to you. It's like a tally chart. One for me now or one for you now, one for me. That's not giving love. Read again 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter. Love is not about you, but totally immersed in the one that you are directed at or that it's directed towards. So is your primary language receiving gifts or perhaps gifts regarded by you as being a cop-out? If you like to receive gifts, great. If that's your primary love language, awesome. Just make sure your husband or wife knows that. Number four. The fourth love language is acts of service. This is where I can score big with Kelly. This is Kelly's primary love language right here. You ask her after church, what's your primary love language? And she'll say acts of service. It's amazing just taking out the trash, the incredible joy it brings to her. Just helping her when she's cooked a wonderful meal and she's done homework with the kids and I come home and we've eaten an incredible meal because she's an incredible cook. I love how my wife cooks and she's wonderful. And I'm saying that and she's not even in here. She's watching kids in the nursery. So I'm not even saying it to gain brownie points. I, this is incredible. But, you know, it, it means so much for her that perhaps she's putting the kids to bed or she goes to do something else that I'll start helping her and clean up the kitchen just a little bit and help her. 
or help her fold the laundry or just do different things like that. She never once has expected me to do that. She's never once really put the pressure on me to say, you need to help me. But it's amazing that when I do those things, just the smile. I remember not too long ago, she had to take Maddie out to a, a softball game or one of a basketball game it was. And when she came home, I had the kids in bed. I had all the laundry folded. I had the kitchen cleaned up and everything put away. And she came into that bedroom and she just threw her arms around me. Her face was just glowing from ear to ear. And she said, thank you so much. That means more to me than anything that you could ever do. You see, when we talk about languages of love and we talk about breaking through to each other, it's not as hard as we really think. Acts of service are such a powerful tool. This may be a little bit off the subject, but I was thinking of this today as I was preparing my message. Mum and Dad can testify to this. There was a lady that came to their church, and she came one night for a ladies' function. And when she came to the ladies' function, all the guys waited on the ladies. They parked their cars. They took care of them. Well, that night while they had a ladies' function, it was a really cold night, and all the cars iced up, and they were all iced up. Well, what the guys did was they went outside, and they de-iced all the ladies' cars. They scraped their windshields. They, They did whatever it took to make sure that the ladies, when they got in their cars, everything was in place, that there was no problems. When they drove her car, or the lady got to her car, and she saw that someone had iced her window, that lady broke down and began to cry. Why? Because in all the years of marriage, she'd never seen her husband ever consider to do anything like that. She could not believe that people that she never even had known, and she was invited, I believe, that night. She didn't even realize that there were such people who still lived on this earth. And as a result, she came to the church. As a result, she gave her heart to Christ because of an act of service, because someone scraped some ice off of her windshield. What are you saying? We may say, oh, it's just a little thing. It may be little to you because it may not be your primary love language, but to someone else it can be the difference between life and death. It can mean so much to them. Again, the things don't have to be earth-shattering, but it's things that can mean so much. I believe acts of service too will break what I call the doormat problem. You know what a doormat is? A doormat is what you wipe your feet on, what you step on what you kick around or whatever you like to do to it, it has no will of its own. I think so many times in marriages, many wives feel that they're the doormat. They feel that it's expected of them. This is what they've got to do. They feel they have no will. They feel that they are not appreciated, that they, what they do is, is just never almost good enough. And, and hey, just get on with it. And do. Wives, I believe, so many times feel like that doormat mentality or that doormat problem. Doing all the cooking, doing all the cleaning, doing everything. And what happens? That becomes a chore to them and it becomes a duty to them. So instead of doing it as a service and out of love because of their relationship, they don't do it in that way any longer. And then what happens? They begin to resent what they have to do, but then they began to resent or begin to resent you as the husband because they have to do it. What are you talking then about the doormat problem? You see, I believe today we're living in a different culture. We're living in a different time. Things have changed, and I think some things have changed for the good. Some things obviously have changed for the bad, and we're not going to spell those out, but I'm sure we can all appreciate the bad and the good. 
But I think in our homes, we must always find a place where both can contribute to the house. Let me say that again. I believe that we need to break that doormat mentality that this is how it has to be and that and all this. I believe that there are things that a woman should do and there's things that a man should do. But yet when it comes to it, I don't believe that they're just all this and all that falls on this or this. I believe that both sides need to contribute in the home. I didn't say the husband should do all the cleaning, but I think he can contribute to the cleaning. I didn't say the wife should have to do all the cooking, but I think she needs to contribute in that area. You see, in a two-person working home, today society has changed a lot. There's not a lot of stay-home mums, and I wish there was. Let me say that again. I wish there was. I wish there was stay-home mums. I wish families were in positions financially where every mother could stay at home and watch after their kids because I think that's the most important job on the face of the earth is bringing up your children in a godly, sane home. But today, society... Most are two working home. So there has to be an understanding. There has to be a togetherness. There has to be a working. The man can't come home after working and sit there and do nothing all night. The woman's work too. There has to be an understanding. There has to be contribution because we've got to overcome the stereotype. A man should never do that. A woman should never do that, etc., etc. But I believe simple acts of service can just break so much in a relationship. Come on, I think simple acts of service can just speak volumes and volumes and absolutely scream out. What I tell people when I counsel them in marriage is this. I've never seen a vacuum cleaner that has a handle on it that is only made for a woman. It fits a man's hand too. I've talked about that, not that we're trying to make men less of a man, but you know that image of I'm the man, I'm the king of the castle, and you're everything else, and you do this and do that. Listen, you start shouting that and becoming that today and see what kind of relationship you have. But I will say this, women, you need to respect your husband as the head of your home. There's things that we need to understand, and we could talk a whole series on this, and perhaps we'll revisit this again. It's not his or her place to do that, but she... Or he did it anyway. Think about that. When you walk in and you realize, well, that's something I should have done. And I know that, but he did it anyway. Or she walks in and vice versa and stuff. What does that do? Well, it speaks volumes and volumes. What does it say to you? Well, that's an expression of love. Sweetheart, that is wonderful. I love you so much, Kelly. All I did was clean the kitchen. But it was such an expression of love to her. It's a love language. We've got to watch that we don't get so caught up with the Joneses and what everyone else is doing that we begin to speak another language. I think it would be fair to say that acts of service go a long way. I believe that acts of service can heal great hurts and they can overcome massive gulfs of separation. Why? Because acts of service show that you care. And you don't just care, you take time out to show how much you care. And last but not least tonight, I want to talk about the fifth language or love language, and that is physical touch. Physical touch is such a powerful vehicle for communicating love. Whether it's holding hands in our marriage relationships, kissing, embracing, sexual intimacy. These are all ways of communicating our love to each other. For some, without holding hands. 
For some, without that hug, without that kiss. For some, they feel unloved, unappreciated. But with it, they feel energized and they feel secure. If you would notice in our culture that we live in today, one of the first things that you do when you meet someone is you touch them. Handshakes have changed. It can be pumps. It can be high fives. But isn't it amazing in our culture today when you meet someone, what do you do? A lot of the time, the first thing you do is touch them. Why? Because our body was made to be touched. And don't just think sexually when we talk about being touched. Just all the senses in our fingers, in our tongues, in our noses, just throughout our whole body, just the sensations that we feel. Our body was made to be in contact, to touch. But again, like with everything that God created and made, Satan has perverted and twisted it and changed it. Everyone likes to be touched. Everyone likes to be hugged. Some perhaps more than others. But again, not wrong, just different. Philip Cameron is going to be here speaking for us, not this Sunday, but the Sunday following, March the 7th. Really excited about it. He's bringing his son, Andrew. Andrew's how old now, Megan? 22, is he? 22? 23 years of age? Andrew's 23 years of age. I remember when Andrew was maybe three, four, when he came over from Moldova. Or Romania, actually, he came from. And I remember the stories, and I've seen videos of Andrew, and I've seen videos of all these little orphans in their cribs. And you know what they would do in their cribs? You would see them. And you know what they would do? They would be rocking. Why? Because there was such a desire inside every one of them to be held. They weren't held. So they had to rock themselves. Why? Because there was something inside of them that wanted to be touched, that wanted to be felt, that wanted to be just held. It's a desire in each one of us. What happens in a crisis, Bishop? What happens when we're upset? What do people do? They hug each other. They embrace. They cry on each other's shoulders. Have you ever noticed that? In a crisis, people don't back off. They want that support. They want that love. They almost instinctively, they begin to hug and cling on to each other and won't let go. Why? Because in those times of crisis, more than anything, they need to feel loved. We cannot change the events through a hug. But we can survive when we feel that we're loved. Isn't that amazing? We can't change the events, but we can survive when we know that we're loved and we've got people around us supporting us, just rubbing on us, just patting us on the back and telling us it's going to be okay. A touch should never be used as a means to just get what you want. Come on, a touch should not be used just as a pathway to get you the pleasure that you want. Oh, I'm just going to do this because I know what will come. As a result. That's not what love is all about. That's manipulation. That's not the love that we're talking about. Love accepts. Or love, acceptance, worth, value, appreciation can all be expressed, perhaps even through a simple back rub. I just run in your fingers through each other's hair. It may not do anything for you, but again, remember, it's not about you. It's going to maybe speak volumes as it speaks their language. So tonight, what's your primary love language? 
What is your primary love languages? We've gone through these love languages and we've talked about words of affirmation and being built up and quality time or receiving gifts or acts of service or physical touch. What would you say is your primary language? But what has your focus been as we've been teaching on this? Has your focus been what is my language? Or has your focus been more on trying to discover the language of your spouse? That one that you love. Obviously, we need to discover the primary language of each other because we need to learn to speak the same language. But I know as I've studied and I've gone through this, my first thought has not been about me, but what is Kelly's? What is it that I can speak that's going to speak so so great a volume to her? Because when I speak her language and I speak in a tone, and I speak in a volume that she can hear, I know that she's going to discover my heart too and give me what I need. What we may both need may be totally different. In fact, they say it's very unlikely that your primary love language will be the same as your spouse's. But it's okay. Different is okay. Because that's how God made us to be, to complement each other, to spend a lifetime discovering more about each other. So what have you learned? Has anyone learned anything over this last month? Come on, has anyone learned anything as we've looked into it? Has anyone got any questions or anything that they, I could perhaps answer just before I close? Anyone got a question or anything to do with any of the series that we've talked about? Anyone? How many have identified your spouse's love language through this series? Come on. How many would say that their love language is different to yours? But that's okay. How many people have discovered your love language? Come on. Well, you know what we need to do is we need to communicate that to our spouses. We don't need to keep it a secret and say, well, if you really love me, you'll discover what my love language is. Well, you better watch out because why not help him? Why keep something from him or her that can help your marriage? Why would you want to keep something back that can take your marriage into new realms to energize each other? Ask Kelly what her love language is. Ask her. I guarantee that she'll say acts of service if she was given a choice. Because I know that's how she is. Discovering each other. Embracing life together. Realizing it's time that we quit talking different languages. Why? Because we're two good-willed people that want the same things in life. Not wrong, just different. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.